Welcome to the Positively You podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Larson, and I'm passionate about helping you shift the way you think so you can create a life you're absolutely obsessed with. Each week, I'll be bringing you a guest or a thought that's going to help you feel more optimistic and equipped to take real action. Get ready to push past limiting beliefs, ditch that negativity, and start showing up as the best and most positive version of you. Girl, let's do this. I am so excited to have my guest Leanne Stickle on today. Did I say that right? Is it Stickle or Stickel? No, you said it right the first time. I said it right. Perfect. Leanne is on today as our guest, and I am so excited to talk to her. Leanne, do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I am a 40-year-old mom of four, wife of 21 years, and a life coach, a future podcaster, a public speaker. I don't know. The list is long, right? When you've lived this long. (laughs) (laughs) When you've lived this long. Oh my goodness. Not even. I love as we get older and older. I was actually talking to my husband about this the other day. I was like, do you remember when you were like in kindergarten and you thought a sixth grader was so old and then you became a sixth grader and you're like, high schoolers are so old. Now you look at high schoolers like they're babies. They don't know anything. And like, I felt the same way because we're approaching like 40 and I'm like, yeah, no, that's not old. (laughs) So power of perspective which is actually is. something that I wanted to talk to you a little bit about today. But before we dive into that, um, I know that one of your things that you talk about a lot is having that power perspective and a way that you gained that was because of a diagnosis you received quite a few years ago. Um, can you talk to that at all? Yeah, absolutely. So at the age of 29, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I had four little kids at the time and didn't see it coming, right? You're going fast. I always say I took calls in the order they were received, right? When you have four kids, six and under, the calls are coming all the time (laughs) and you're just distracted. And of course you're tired, right? So symptoms that I was having weren't really a red flag to me. They just seemed kind of normal for a tired mom. And so the diagnosis came as a shock. I mean, total shock. And I really went into a period of mourning because I was really mourning the future that I had pictured. And it was so hard because it felt like that future was now different, right? Yeah. And I didn't know what my future was, of course. Like none of us have a crystal ball, but it just felt like now it had a darker, a darker look to it. It felt different. It felt like you didn't have, it was something that came in that you didn't have control over, right? Right. Yeah. And I mean, I was a water drinker, exercise, have my babies on their due date. You know what I mean? Just like checking all the boxes. So to have a chronic illness show up was just such a shock. And the chronic part is the one of the hardest parts, right? Because it's yours forever you have to keep this. This isn't something that you, there's no cure. You're not going to get better. You're not going to be in real remission. And that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, definitely. And so when you were 29, you were diagnosed with MS. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. And having that just, oh my gosh. Yeah. Just as a mind blow and as a, just a bomb that gets dropped on you. Right. And as a mom, like you said, it's hard, I think for a lot of us to even contemplate getting a diagnosis like that because you are, you're running, you're going, tiredness is just a part of the job. And 
And so did you, did it take you a minute to get diagnosed and, and did you think like, oh, that can't be true? Or like, what was kind of like your thoughts around when you first got that news? Yeah. So a lot of my symptoms, I just ignored, right? They did. They just seemed like par for the course, just part of the job, right? You're busy. You're holding babies on your hip. Like, of course your back is out of alignment, right? Of course you have a pinched nerve in your shoulder. You're all tense. And I mean, it just, I didn't, I didn't see it as an illness, right? Well, then I fell a couple times that summer, which felt weird, but well, one time I was wearing wedge shoes and I had a baby on my hip. So like, did I get imbalanced because of the shoe choice? Possibly. Sure. Yeah. You know? so, of course, we always are looking for an explanation that makes sense and isn't scary. So our like natural, like survival mechanism is like, it's fine. I'm fine. Everything's yeah. fine. Right. Yeah. So, which is so funny. Cause I feel like I'm totally the opposite. I get like a headache. I'm like, I have a tumor. I have a brain tumor <laughs> and, and I don't go and do anything about it. And I totally don't, but it's funny that you say, I look for the, the, it's fine. It's normal. And then my hypochondriac type of brain is like, what's the worst case scenario? <laughs> okay. So I guess I should have said in my introduction that I am not a worrier. Okay. It is just not in my DNA. It's not in my personality. I, even if I should be worried, it's hard for me to worry. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's, you know, a personality thing, but I actually went to my family doctor to get a referral to a chiropractor because I just thought, you know, I've just got a pinched nerve. I'm out of alignment. Mm -hmm. I had numbness and tingling, just things that were bugging me. And he said, time out. Wait a second. Too many things, too many, you're checking too many boxes. And he sent me to a neurologist. So that was the beginning of the end in a way. <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of the end, which I love that you say that because for a lot of people, it really is. And it really feels like that, right? Like you said, I had this vision for my life that I didn't even know what it was, but now I knew that it was going to be different from whatever I thought it was going to be. But for you, it really wasn't the beginning of the end. And I know when I talked to you earlier, you said, you know, I kind of got lucky at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love sharing this because I think that a lot of people can relate to this. So I have a great family. I have a great spouse. We have health insurance, right? My symptoms were manageable and I was born positive. I actually believe that I'm genetically optimistic. I mean, if you had the opportunity to meet my grandfather before he was gone, you would believe me. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, he just was a ray of sunshine and I not that I'm not saying that I'm always a ray of sunshine, but I know that my, it's just in me, you yeah. know? So I felt so fortunate that I kind of thought I had it too easy that, you know, my chronic illness story didn't have a lot of value because, well, I had good things going for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, my, my road wasn't the hardest. There were so many people that I could look around, even in my community, they had it so much worse. Right. Yeah. And so you kind of feel bad for feeling like you have a hard time. You're having a hard time, even though I was having a hard time and it was justified, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. in 2017, so this, we're now eight years in and up till that point, my disease had pretty much plateaued. There wasn't a lot of change. I had learned how to deal with those symptoms and I had a system, right? I have a sleep recipe. I know how much I need to sleep, when I need to nap, 
all the things. And it worked yeah. for me. 2017, I had a relapse. I was admitted to the hospital. I had to change drugs because once you have a relapse, it's really considered a drug fail. And they encourage you to choose a different drug because clearly the one you were on wasn't working, right? Well, now I had enough hard. I had enough crummy, you know? Yeah. And it was like this light bulb went off. And I said, my story has value, right? Like I can help other women. I can help other women to see they're not alone. They're just like me, you know? I'm still going to basketball games and volleyball games and managing a chronic illness. And it is hard, right? Even yeah. if you have a lot of support and you have health insurance, it's still hard. Yeah. It's still not what I would choose, you know? So that's really what led me here to this point in my life and yeah. doing what I'm doing. Which I love that too. I am like you. You say, I was born happy. I was born positive. I joke that my blood type is B positive. And so I'm like, it runs in my blood. And I've, I felt that way too, where I look at other people, you know, who might have a trial or something that's way harder. And it's like, I can't just tell them to like, be happy or, you know, and, right. and then when some some tough things hit me too. I was like, Oh, okay. This is where I can use those skills and pull those in. And, you know, and I don't think you have to have these things happen to you that knock you down and, and make you like, I don't know, see the light. But I do think that it's important to have that perspective a little bit on you can have bad, but you can choose to kind of reframe it. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Perspective is everything. And, and it was in this whole, it's been in the last 11 years that I've realized that being positive, it really is a skill. And I always, and I think I used this analogy with you when we spoke before, but I look at it like music. Okay. I was not born a gifted musician. Me either. Unfortunately, <laughs> but I take lessons. I have taken lessons for so, so many years and I love it. And I take lessons from a gifted musician and he's amazing. And I will never have his talent. I will never be able to play as well as him. And that's okay. Right. There's yeah. still so much value that I get from the class, from the lesson. And I love it. And it's so good for me and it stretches me and it pushes me. Well, I believe the same is true of being positive that, you know, some of us are born with that gift and it really is a gift, you know, and yes. it is, I feel like it's my almost duty or privilege to share that gift and to encourage people and to teach them and to help them practice. When you believe it's a skill, then you can learn it, you can practice it, and you can get better. Yes. Will you ever be a person that says that you were born positive? Probably not. I will never be a person that says I'm a born gifted musician. Never. But I will continue to go down that path because I know there's a ton of value, right? Like it's good for me and I enjoy it and I'm improving like yes. a tiny bit. <laughs> I, I love that so much. And I love it for many reasons. Number one, I'm a total analogy, like junkie. I love finding analogies and ways to describe things in ways that not dumb it down, but dumb it down. And I love that about the music because you can, you know, there's these just crazy talented people who, you know, come out just playing the piano and composing these works of art that are just amazing. And we can take lessons to improve our own thing, but we can also notice it and see it in other people and have value that way as well. 
But I think noticing that it's a skill that you, yes, you can be born with it, but there's a skill and figuring out what do the best people who do this, what do they do? How do they do it? When do they do it? Like figuring out that and having those tools and knowing what to practice and how to make positivity a a tool that you have in your tool belt is something that definitely you can work on for sure. And I love that so much. Um, So I want to ask you, do you, what were, what are some things that you would say helped you or help you to help others cultivate that skill? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, I love affirmations and I have four kids ages 12 to 17 now. Right. And four kids come with a lot of different personalities. Yes, they do. And (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So not everybody in my house is just naturally positive. And so, I mean, they're great test subjects, right? (laughs) Because like, let's practice and let's see if this works. And so affirmations is the first thing that I love. And it doesn't always feel comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. To say something about ourselves. Like, I am positive. I am kind. I am coachable. I am right. Like, what are these things that you really want to be that you know will be valuable to you? It's worth it to believe it, right? Yes. It sounds crazy at first, right? And and you have a lot of data points for a lot of people, right? We've lived a lot of years. We've got a lot of data points to support the opposite that yeah. you're not patient, right? Oh, I know last week I blew up or I was upset or whatever, right? So we have all of this data supporting the opposite. So affirmations can be very hard to start. They don't feel natural. They feel dumb. You're just like, oh, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, But they're not. And we have to believe so much that you would say, like, that's just like me to be patient, right? Mm -hmm. So I want to always change the story. And And I do this especially with kiddos. Like, oh my goodness, that's not like you to drop your coat on the floor, right? Like, yeah. that's not like you. You are such a neat and tidy person. So we're constantly trying to affirm this positive belief that we have of ourselves. And yes. then when yeah. we do the bad behavior, we internally say, what? That is not like me. Yes. That is not like me to I drop the love that. Especially <laughs> how you, again, making it sound simple with your kids. You could easily say, oh my gosh, you always are leaving your coat here on the floor that's not helpful. That's not, you know, but instead of reframing it into a positive. Right. Sorry. I just got like so pumped about this. Um, And and that's our natural tendency, right? Because we are verbalizing what we're seeing happen. Mm -hmm. But as we do that, then we affirm that to themselves. We're affirming it to our kiddos that they are in fact a messy person. So now they believe inside that they are a messy person. So they will live up to that belief in themselves. So they will drop their coat because they truly believe that they are a messy person. So can we change? We absolutely can change the belief and we can do it within ourselves. And it's just so powerful. And like, I'll give you the example of fitness. So fitness is a struggle for a lot of people, right? Mm -hmm. And when you have a chronic illness, fitness kind of feels like a prescription, right? Like (laughs) nobody wants another prescription. And it's like, well, you should work out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I know you're super good about fitness, but I think that um, my story is very relatable. So I worked out to lose weight in between babies, right? That was its whole purpose. And then when I was diagnosed with a chronic illness that could take away my mobility, all of a sudden fitness became like almost a desperation 
okay. place. Like I have to move out, right? Like I can move today. And so I sh should, I should move today. There's people with MS that are in wheelchairs and would love to move. So I better, I better do it today. Yeah. Okay. So I embraced fitness and it really was such a powerful tool in my life because it was something I could control. I could choose to go work out, right? So many things we can't choose as far as our chronic illness, like things just happen to us. Symptoms show up. It gets crummy. It's yeah. so many dealing with health insurance, ugh, right? So many stinky parts, but I could choose to work out and that felt so good. Well, now it's just like me. Like I work out yeah. every day of and course it's just I do. what I do. It's just, who I am. yeah, right. Of course it's not, I don't have to write it down. I don't have to remind myself. I don't have to set an alarm, right? And I just think that it's because of 11 years of data points to support that belief that that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't who I was. Before, oh, no, not at all. But it is, you yeah. know. And so like you, you said, you give yourself those, those data points and that proof over and over and over again that, yeah, it's going to feel weird. It's going to feel awkward at the beginning. But 11 years later, it's just, of course I do. Right. And if, and I mean, and it goes so far as to say, like, if your neighbor was like, oh, Leanne never works out, then the other neighbor would be like, what? No. Right. So yeah. it's like so true about you. The, the more you continue to show up as that person, it becomes who you are. And it's such a beautiful thing. So you can be coachable. You can be patient. You can be the kind person, right? You can bring the joy. Okay. So that's yeah, one I love that. giant tip. Is that her? <laughs> okay, um, next. You want me to keep going? Yes. <laughs> okay. So, yep. So, my next tip is something that I have borrowed from Brendan Bouchard, and I love it so much. And I've done it for years. And um, he talks about bringing the joy. So, he talks about we can't expect joy to be sitting there waiting for us when we walk in the room, but we have to bring it to every experience, to every situation, to every room, we bring the joy. And so I have an alarm on my phone that goes off at seven noon and five that says, bring the joy. Oh, I love that. It, it just reminds me that it's within my power to bring the joy. Like I can compliment someone. I can send a quick text. I high five the kids. And what's funny is they're so used to the alarms. They're like, Oh, bring the joy. <laughs> what's mom going to do now? <laughs> But like, I love that they're, it makes them think, yeah. right? Like, how can I add joy to this moment, to this day? So yeah. I, I think that that's more that's helpful awesome. than people realize. And I love that you have the three separate alarms because so often we hear, you know, set your morning intention, do this in the morning, set the day. And a lot of times, yes, I totally believe in setting your morning off on the right foot but sometimes it does get off track. And so I love that you have not only just a morning reminder, but an afternoon and an evening because you might need more than just the one in the morning. I love that so much. Well, and it's so funny because it's so simple, right? Your phone dings yeah. at you all day long. So it might as well ding for a good reason. Right? That's <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> all right. So yeah. affirmations, bringing the joy. What's another one? Okay. Um, another one I would say is, and this is related to perspective and I call it finding frosting. So I have a theory that sometimes life is like dry, crummy cake, but if you have enough frosting on bad cake, you can still enjoy the bite, right? 
like, can we all agree that frosting can save a bad cake? <laughs> oh, yes. 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 You turn it into cake balls, right? <laughs> right. There is a solution. And so for me, frosting is all the things that make life better, that make life sweeter. And I don't care if it's your new Birkenstocks, if it's your great workout, your healthy kids, the sunshine, whatever it is that's making your day sweeter, that's frosting. That's frosting. And so if you're looking for it, you will find it, right? The more that we look for the good, the more we'll find. And it's just so powerful because like life is life. Like you kind of get what you get. Like your yeah. cake, I, I have no choice. I have to deal with this for the rest of my life. And it's kind of like dry, crummy cake. But there, there's so much frosting that I am enjoying every day. And like, I'll get emotional <laughs> about it. Like, I just feel so thankful that I can see all of that. And like, people are the finest frosting. You know, like fondant, like the fancy stuff that only the professionals know how to use. That's people, that's relationships, that's friends, that's people supporting you in business. I mean, that's fine frosting. But until you recognize it, pause, savor it, it doesn't count. Yes. Right? So it's identifying it as the frosting in your life that it actually works and it makes your day sweeter. So those really, those are three tips that will help you, you know, I to love it. Practice. Yeah. I love that. And you're lighting me up. You have so many analogies. I'm just like nerding out on all of them. Like that one's so good. That one's so good. But thinking of the cake, like how often do you take a bite of cake and you don't, you know, you just eat it. You don't even care. But if you've had a really good piece with like that frosting, that's like not too thick, not too, like it's perfect. That's exactly it. It makes the whole thing. And So I love, I love your frosting theory. That's so fun. And I'm curious if you have a, a specific practice around it or if it's just kind of, you've gotten really good at noticing because I know that same thing with affirmations is once you do them and once you get really in the practice that it's just kind of this like second nature thing, like as you practice more gratitude, you just naturally have it. But in the beginning, is that something that you had to kind of work at like you did with affirmations? Yeah. So first, let me jump back for two seconds and affirmations. I started in the car with the kids on the way to school. And it really um, was something, I, a tool I was using in parenting that mm -hmm. I ended up 
adapting for myself. So isn't that funny? But that's yeah. where it started was in the car on the way to school. And we would go around and each person would say one affirmation and we have to repeat it. So the kids would come up with their own affirmation. We would repeat it and then I would end with five. And then we would go around the car and everybody would say what they were thankful for. And that was how we ended before they walked into school. It was just, it became such a special thing. COVID has kind of curveballed my on the way to school. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, but I did want to mention that about affirmations. Okay, so frosting, I started doing Frosting Fridays on social media in an effort to help other people find it, right? And to just take a picture, take a picture of those Birkenstocks or your cute watch or whatever that's bringing you joy and post it, right? And share it because I think when you do that, then other people, they, they notice their Birkenstocks yeah. and they're like, oh, I'm really happy that I got those, you know, but I wouldn't have paused and been thankful or realized that they made my day sweeter, right? And so I feel like it's just such a powerful thing to put out there and help other people to see because they have frosting in their life too. They just might yes. not be stopping to see it and name it and recognize it. Yes. And something else that I love when you said that was bringing me joy, because a lot of times, especially with having a chronic illness or, you know, having a huge trial, maybe it's finances or a marriage or whatever it might be that you're going through. It can be hard when people say, oh, just have a gratitude practice. And you're like, well, easy for you to say, I feel like crap today. Right. Or I've had a flare up or who knows what it could be. And I think sometimes that, that word gratitude or be grateful is kind of hard when you're in a hard, crummy place. But by saying it as frosting or just what's something that made you smile or made you happy or brought joy, that you don't have to be grateful for your Birkenstocks per se, but you can be like, I love when I wear these. And so it takes away, I think, the pressure to feel grateful because sometimes it is like people say, oh, I'm grateful for my trials or I'm grateful for my sicknesses. And you can get to that point, I think, but when you're in it and you're having just a real crap day, it's like, no, I'm not actually grateful today, but I think you can find frosting in every day. And I, so I love the way that you phrase that so that it doesn't feel like this added burden of, oh, now I have to find something to be grateful for, you know? Right. And I totally agree with you because, right. I mean, I of course love the topic of gratitude and I think there's so much value in it, but you're right that people can feel this great burden to feel thankful for everything. Right. And I'm not thankful for everything right this minute, right? Yeah. There's a lot of hard stuff. And my challenge to people with frosting is to have it be the little things, right? Like I already know that you're thankful for your house, blah, blah, blah. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I, I want you to notice all the little stuff because it helps you see more and it helps yes. other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it just, so, it makes all of the little things throughout your day, just as you do that more become the bigger things. I love it. Exactly. And let me tell you one miracle with frosting and this is a miracle and people will be skeptical <laughs> but we're going to get them on our team. Okay. So we're going to talk about the treadmill. Okay. okay. Everybody complains about the treadmill. Yeah. Right? It's a hamster wheel and I hate running inside and I love the outdoors and blah, blah. I mean, oh my goodness. The amount of complaints about treadmills are endless. Oh, right? it's a topic. <laughs> it's definitely a topic. My treadmill is frosting to me. And that is because I don't have great balance every day. And I don't love being outside on the uneven terrain. That's not to say that it wouldn't be good 
for me, but it would be an excuse, right? To not go for a walk or a jog. And the treadmill takes away that excuse. There's no bad weather. It has a handle, right? I can feel steady on the treadmill. I can slow it. It's not that you can't slow down while you're walking or controlling your own pace, but the treadmill is amazing. Like it has become my frosting and people are like, what? No, <laughs> you know, but that's the power of perspective because now it's this great tool. It takes away excuses. It makes workouts more possible for me and it's amazing. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like what other stinky things that we complain about? Can we put a better spin on it? Can we, yeah, can we spin? And that's something that I have loved with talking to you because when when you first reached out, you know, it's, hi, I'm Leanne. I am an MS warrior, whatever. And then in talking to you, it's very rarely the topic of conversation, which is interesting. And I love it because it's not a defining trait for you or anything. Like, yeah, you have it, but I feel like you've decided that that you still get to live your life and it's that. And I think that that's so incredibly powerful and a testament to that reframing that you do that it's, yeah, sure, whatever. I have this and we'll deal with it. But like I get to live my life on my terms and these are the terms that I'm doing that on. And that's really, really impressive and really inspiring. Uh, well, thank you so much. Oh my word. I don't know if I deserve <laughs> all that, but you know, it, it's interesting that you say that because I've struggled with who I serve because of that very thing. Because I sometimes use the hashtag MS is not the boss of me. Yeah. And I mean it, you know, like it is not the boss every day. There are moments every day that it is in charge and I'm sleeping, but not overall, right? Yeah. It doesn't decide everything. And I am like, I have such a heart for the chronic illness community because I get it. I, I get where they're coming from. Um, but it is so interesting that you say that. Yeah. I think, and I, I, think I do too. <laughs> and that's not something that I, I mean, knock on wood, whatever, like I don't struggle with currently. Um, but it is, it's so impressive just because it's helping other people. I feel like, especially as you do get a new diagnosis and you just feel overwhelmed and lost, that it's nice to be able to have people to look at who are just maybe a couple of steps ahead that is like, it's hard. Take a second. Like you said, there's days when, yeah, it is actually going to be the boss of me today and I'm going to take a day and it's going to be this. But overall, you know, there is light, there is hope, there is a choice to make the best of it and to shift your perspective. And I'm curious um, if you have anything that you do when you do have those bad days, when you have those days that just, you're like, nope, it's not in me today. I'm not doing this. What you can kind of do to snap and get out and do that reframing. Cause it's easy to say like, oh, reframe your thoughts. And it's like, okay, but how, like, how do I reframe my thoughts? Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing is rest is best. And I live by that. And sleep changes everything for me and mm -hmm. it's really important. And it's such a issue in our culture to always be productive. And I'm an Enneagram three, right? Like I like to listen to one podcast, listen to a webinar in the other year. Like crazy. <laughs> that's not right. Yeah. But, um, it's, it really has a bad, what do you call it? It just has a bad vibe, like to take a nap or it se sounds, seems lazy, right? Yes. Um, I had four kids in five years on purpose 
So it is just not in me to want to nap and I have to nap and it's okay. Right. And so if I have a bad day, I sleep because fatigue and stress are two things that I can actually manage that have an impact on my illness. So there's a lot of things that I cannot change, but I can try and control my stress level and how much fatigue I'm dealing with. So yeah, I'm super boring and I go to bed, you know, (laughs) I love that though, because it's, it's not. And I think you, you said it best when you said, you know, napping and rest, it gets rest gets a bad rap and it's like, no resting is going to help me be my best and most productive self in the future. I'm helping my future self. And it's just like any other thing that you would do. But yeah, especially in our culture, we run ourselves ragged and like we wear busy as a badge of honor. And it's like rest is something that helps you be better. And I think definitely if you can take away that, that negative connotation and that shame from, from I need a nap or, oh, I'm so tired or, or whatever. And with anything taking away that and using it as, no, this is going to help my future self for sure is going to be game changer. And so my, my, one of my biggest tips for people on making that shift is to get your people on board. Like you've got to get the people that care about you the most to understand that and understand the value of rest and to know what a big impact this has. Um, I think that that's what's helped me so much is everybody knows like mom naps and I have trained myself to sleep in the music room when people are playing music and all the chaos is going on. So I purposely like forced myself to sleep in uncomfortable places and in noisy places (laughs) so that I wouldn't become a high maintenance sleeper because I realized that rest is so important for me. So, I mean, I'm next level crazy, but, um, <laughs> so I think you have to do that, but I just didn't want to be a high maintenance sleeper, right? Where you have to have everything perfect. You have to have your white. No- I mean, I love white noise like the next guy, but I didn't want to have to have it. Right. Yes. Because I have to nap. So if I'm at Thanksgiving, right. I have to be able to go into somebody's uncomfortable old grandma chair or whatever, and just clunk over and rest because it's important. So I, so Part of it was me practicing, right? And I call them caffeine naps. I'm not anti-caffeine, but I will sit down and close my eyes for 12 to 20 minutes and it's a game changer. So a lot of like my lifestyle, I've just learned to add that in, right? And it's self-care and everybody on my, on Leanne's team agrees and knows and is fine with it and doesn't expect anything different. I love the term that you just used on Leanne's team. I love that so much. And I think, I mean, I know that you are, are talking to the MS community, but I know that you're also talking to everybody else. I think it's important that we all have a team and that we have with whatever it is we're going through, or even if we're just sailing through life, easy breezy, whatever, to have that support system and that team that is, this helps me be my best. How can you help me do that? And how can I help you be your best? I love the idea of having a team and a support system. Love it. Yeah, totally. And we all do, right? Like anybody can look around and I mean, you have your mom or your sister or your best friend or your neighbor. There's people cheering for you and you know it, right? Like (laughs) I always challenge people. I I always think it's interesting. We're a lot harder on ourselves than we need to be. Oh, for sure. For sure. People are doing better than they think they are and they have more people in their corner than they think they do. So I, I always am challenging. I mean, my, my one-on-one clients consistently, every single one-on-one client thinks they're doing worse than they are. Yeah. 
For sure. And I think that that's another, I mean, we could go off on so many tangents on like this thing with our culture, this thing with our culture, like the rest thing. And now like the not being able to, to notice the good that you're doing. And we're always like putting our, our accomplishments and our things down a couple of levels. I mean, we could, we could spend a whole another hour talking about (laughs) stuff like that, but (laughs) but being able to just, yeah, acknowledge, especially when you are going through something hard and something crummy, like an illness, or like I said, with whatever else that it might be to give yourself credit for when you deserve the credit. And one thing that I have tried to do with putting in affirmations and gratitude practices, I think those are all so good, but I've started adding in a, I'm proud of myself. And I think that that is another, you know, just component that you can add to the, to the self-care things and the, the mental shifts that you're doing is taking a second to recognize because so many times, I mean, I tell my kids all the time how proud I am of them, right? Like you did so good on your math test. I'm so proud of you. And you did this and I'm so proud of you. And we probably get that praise all the time as kids that we don't get so much as an adult, you know? And it's funny. I will tell my kids all the time, I'll be like, I'm such a good mom. And they laugh at me and stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm a really good mom. (laughs) I did really good today. And it's funny, but they'll hear it. And I'm like, no, I want them to hear me praise myself because I need them to grow up with that too. And then we can kind of kick this cycle that we have of not feeling good enough and not feeling like we did anything or that we have anyone in our corner. I don't know. Side tangent, totally oh. off. <laughs> no, I love that. And it's, it's actually making me chuckle so much because I do the same thing here and I say, good job, ma. Like, I'm, I love it. I'm, I'm like, you know, leading the witness, like, (laughs) (laughs) you you know, for like whatever, you know, washing dishes. Yeah. I think you're definitely right. Especially, um, in our role as a homemaker. And even though I've got a, you know, a couple passion projects, it's different, right. Right. Than going into an office and having a team and a boss that gives you a review. I always say my review is going to be in like 18 years. You know exactly. What have you done over the past? (laughs) I totally agree, but I think that that is really important to have those, um, just as in your back pocket as kind of the tool sets. Just another one that you can throw in. So, absolutely, making choices that you're proud of is so powerful. So powerful. That when you start your day, thinking about that, like, oh, would I be so proud of myself for drinking all my water? Of course. Would I be so proud of myself for working out? Totally. Right. And I think oftentimes people complicate this whole process or they think it's complicated to be a positive person and no, it's not complicated. It's just practice. Yeah. Just practice. And if it seems overwhelming, like, you know, we've gone off and we've named a couple of different tools and things that you do. If all of that feels overwhelming, it's like, well, just pick one, you know, you don't have to do all of the things. Just pick one of the things. Oh, absolutely. My goodness. Do not be a normal woman that thinks they need to fix everything all at the same time. You know, like I, that's really why women come to me is because they want to fix all of these things all at the same time. And I've fallen into that too. Right. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, too much, too Too much. much. And that's why we get so overwhelmed and so crazy. And then we need, then we're tired and then we need to rest, but we feel like we can't rest because we have to do all the things. And yeah, it's just, just pick the one thing and then be proud of yourself for just the one thing and find your frosting and just the one thing. Like we need to make it so much more simple. And I think one of the, I don't want to say gifts because it's not my thing, but of having a crummy situation is the, the force that you had to slow down 
and, you know, dealing with a chronic illness to be like, okay, maybe I, I'm not even choosing to do only one thing. I only can do one thing, but I'm going to be proud of myself for that one thing. Absolutely. Right. And I mean, it was like this forced perspective lesson on me. And I think a lot of people, and, and even if you're not dealing with chronic illness, we all have a lot of chronic issues, right? Like maybe something that is a constant struggle for you and, or even relationships, or you were talking about, you know, in marriage or families. I mean, th those are things that can feel very chronic and ongoing issues that are so challenging. So I definitely do not think that this is just applied to, you know, people with chronic illness. It's everybody has struggles. For sure. Know? For sure. I love how you phrase that as chronic struggles, chronic issues. Just, yeah, we all have things that we deal with throughout our whole lives. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't love that we deal with that our whole lives. But <laughs> I love but the I idea think, of it. And I, I think that this is a point worth making. Okay. Life is hard. No doubt about it. And the sooner that we come to terms with that fact that life is hard and we can move on, right? Like, okay, now I know. Like life is hard, but I'm going to still enjoy it. I still want to be happy. I want to bring the joy. I want to believe in myself, right? Like I want to have these positive traits and enjoy life, right? I want to mm -hmm. find the frosting and know that my days are sweet because life is hard for everybody, right? And yeah. so I think that that truth is one that we shouldn't be trying to change because we will become so discouraged because we can't change that. Yeah. It just I, is. I'm yeah, good. it just is. And I love, you know, because we say that life is hard, life is hard, life's hard. And if you're ending the sentence there, then that's super discouraging. Like, oh crap, life is hard. Like, dang, I don't want to do this. But if it's life is hard, but I do hard things, or I train for this, or I have yeah. this skill, or I'm working on like it's not a period at the end of life is hard, it's a comma. And then you add to that. And I it's funny that I will relate this to like running a marathon because I've never ran a marathon and I hate running, but <laughs> running a marathon is hard. You're not going to show up and think that it's just going to be this like walk in the park and this thing that you're going to enjoy, but you're going to show up and be like, okay, I'm going to do a marathon. It's going to be hard. These are the things I need to do. This is probably someone I need to talk to. This is a support. Like you plan and you have these things and you know, and then as you're doing it, when you're in it, you're saying things to yourself. You're reminding yourself of these things. That is life. Like you show up and you gain skill along the way and you practice and you train and then you reinforce. I don't know. I mean, like I said, I don't run. So maybe that's a really dumb analogy for me to pull out, but. No, no. And I constantly use fitness analogies, right? Because it is like life and, and it is, I mean, it is the long game. And, you know, I mean, and my favorite marathon analogy is about the cheering because I've just, I've done a half marathon, like not well, but I did survive <laughs> it. And the cheering makes a big difference and it helps you. You go a little faster, you keep showing up. It's encouraging. And so like, I love that role that I have in, on social media or wherever I show up. Right. And cheer people. And, and really that's my goal here today is just to encourage people to try some of these practices, right? Get a little better. You learn something today. And, you know, I think that it will serve them and they'll keep going right in that, in the marathon of life. And they might stand a little taller, run a little straighter, right? Like it just is better. Yes. I completely agree with you. And I love 
I love that so, so much. So I want to just recap some of the tools that you have um, when you're trying to create positivity and make it a skill that you have, whether or not it's in your genes like you, whether or not it's your blood type like me. So you said mm-hmm. affirmations, number one. Um, Brenda Burchard mm-hmm. taught you to bring the joy. And I love, love, love so much that you have the three alarms that go off on your phone. Bring the joy, bring the joy, bring the joy. So, so good. Your number three that you talked about was finding frosting, which I love so much. Not just a gratitude practice, but finding frosting in the little things throughout your day. What was after frosting? <laughs> Am I forgetting some? Well, we, we did end there. Um, I shifted into like a perspective conversation, um, right? But that was really related to frosting because okay. I challenge people to like take the crummy things and turn them into frosting. Can your treadmill be your frosting? Like, I get that it might take a while, but it could be, you know? Awesome. Like, so I would say that the- after frosting is reframing <laughs> to find more frosting, right? Reframe those thoughts, find the, switch it, make it work. Exactly. I mean, and, and I just think it's such a powerful tool. And when you look at it that way, it will serve you. Right. So incredibly powerful. Well, Mm -hmm. and exactly like you said, with the treadmill, going back to that, you know, years before you were diagnosed or had anything, you wouldn't look at a treadmill and be like, you know, what would make me feel really proud of myself is walking really slow on that treadmill. Right. (laughs) But now Mm -hmm. you're like, I'm really proud of myself for walking slow on that treadmill. (laughs) And so it is that power of reframing is so incredibly powerful. It is. And I just think that the treadmill is a great example because it sounds impossible, right? People are like, whatever, you know? <laughs> and so that's why I think it's such a good challenge that I want to challenge the world with. Change your perspective about something and just find the good. And, and man, isn't that so much better? Like then you go back to the whole life is hard part. Isn't that a lot more fun? Like, sure, the treadmill is kind of hard, maybe a hard part or a struggle or a pain point, but isn't it a lot more fun to view it as this great tool that's in your basement waiting for you to show up, you know? I totally, totally agree. Oh, I love it so much. You have shared so many good gems and it really is. Positivity is something that you can cultivate, that you can work on, and even the most positive of us, right? It's something that we still have to work on all the time. And so totally. I want to like, totally. thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And I'm sorry. I, I, I just want to end with this thought. The talented musician still practices. They still challenge themselves with hard pieces of music, right? They are practicing all the time, but they're gifted, right? So it's the same as you and I, right? Sure. It is our gift and we are thankful for it. Though we might've liked to have been born a talented musician. this is good too. Right. Right. And this is our gift, but we're still practicing it. And I do affirmations and I have the alarm on my phone. Right. And I post frosting Friday every week and that's me practicing. Right. So that I can keep getting better and not lose that gift. So there's so much hope. Yes. Oh, I love it so much, Leanne. Thank you for this conversation. I am going to link to you. It's in the show notes, but how can everybody find you? Because they need you to pop up in their feeds. Oh, goodness. (laughs) Thank you. So I am on Instagram at I am Leanne Stickle. And you can find me at leannestickle.com. 
I think I'm pretty easy to find. Thank um, you for being on here. I will give everyone a virtual hug and high five for you. And ah, just thank you. This was so good. Thank you, Jesse. It's been awesome to connect and to get to know you. And yeah, I feel like we're kindred spirits. Definitely. Thank you for hanging out with me again today. I'm so glad you pressed play. If you want to take a quick second to share this episode with someone you think would love it too, that would be amazing. If you're loving the show, make sure you go and leave a review on iTunes. Reviews are like magic for podcasts, and your review will help get this show into the ears of more amazing women just like you. And come find me over on Instagram. I'm there at positively.jesse, and I cannot wait to hang out with you some more. So until next time, have an amazing week.